This is the Kokoro Garden Podcast, the podcast for flower farmers, and I'm your host, Kiju. Uh, thanks for joining us here. This is uh, one of our first episodes as the Kokoro Garden, and uh, Stephen and I will be working on really kind of creating good content for flower farmers. I know that a lot of you are busy out in the field and seeding and dividing Dahlia tubers right now, so we wanted to provide an online experience for you to be able to be educated and keep up on the latest topics and just be learning and growing more as a flower farmer. So that's part of what we're wanting to do here with this podcast. Uh, Given that it's fall, I know that a lot of us are starting to slow down and uh, as the fields and as the growing season get turned over and kind of come to an end, it's time to kind of focus on ourselves and focus on our farms a little bit more as opposed to the usual harvesting and uh, seeding and weeding and uh, delivery craziness that is most of the growing season here we're able to just kind of take a little bit of a break and get back into maybe more of a focus and get a better idea of where we're heading for the next year so a lot of the uh, next couple podcasts are going to be kind of in the line of that overall so um, but the topic I wanted to talk to you about today is going to be about uh, species specific and I'm be covering a lot of these as far as going in depth of growing and using and choosing different uh, varieties of flowers to grow and today's topic is chrysanthemums. Now those of you who follow our blog know that we just posted a series of blog posts on chrysanthemums including the trial that we did this year. Um, this is our first year really growing a uh, cup flowers uh, as far as chrysanthemums go. We've grown bedding or pot mums in the past, those little rounded, mounded, sort of brightly colored mums that you would buy at the grocery store. You can find at Big Box, uh, landscaping, and outdoor supply stores. While I really love those, and I think that they're a great addition to fall, and they add a much needed punch of color to the landscape and to planters, uh, those aren't necessarily the type of mums that we're looking for. And those of you who are uh, long-term flower farmers know that we're looking at the big, tall, big, rangy, shaggy, fluffy florist mums that uh, are have been made so famous by companies like King's Mums. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with them, we're talking big florist mums that get usually about 24 to 36 inches tall, sometimes even taller, depending on how you grow them. And they have these giant big stems that allow you to use them in floral arrangements and for floral design. So these would also be the type of mums that you would technically buy at a wholesaler house or uh, buy for floral design if you were a commercial flower shop as well. So one of the reasons probably why we don't grow a lot of florist mums either as flower farmers or even as gardeners is the fact that as cut flowers these mums are very much available from a wholesaler for a very cheap price and the reason for that being is that mums are cultivated very readily in greenhouse uh, conditions across the world. So you're looking both at Europe and uh, South and Central America being some of the primary mum growers and they have just football field sized greenhouses full of mum plants. Everything is mechanized, everything's on computerized systems that allow them to have perfect control over the climate, the lighting, the temperature, everything is just built for mass scale. And for this reason, mums are very cheap. They're very 
uh, ubiquitous flower when it comes to the floral cut flower industry as a whole and for us to try and compete with those prices well it's a race to the bottom and in this case you know larger scale agriculture of cut flower mums has really reached the bottom already um Mums have been used for decades by florists because they are such a good cut flower and they are so economical when it comes to uh, floral arranging that there's no reason not to use them. But for us, we're looking at the mums that are what they refer to as heirloom mums, um, the mums that are fluffy, that are very unique in terms of shape and size that are very different than anything you would find at the store or find from a wholesaler, uh, that these unique, very colorful species are the ones that we're looking to grow and maybe not necessarily sell to florists uh, just because it would be hard to really compete on pricing, but um, more for the use of in design or arrangements or for uh, retail customers. And one of the reasons why I really love mums is that they uh, can give dahlias even a run for their money as far as their shape and size. Dahlias are great, and I, I love them. I think they're a cut flower that everybody should grow, but they start looking a little bit weird or a little bit tired uh, right at the end of this season here, um, just as we head into fall. I know that some of you may be in colder climates, uh, like Zone 3 might already have had frost, and the season might be pretty much over for you but for those of us who are a little bit further south uh, the season is still ongoing and we do want to try and you know get a couple last sales in before the killing frost comes here so um, mums are a great way to kind of freshen up your uh, production and offer something that is a little bit different that is a change from the dahlias the zinnias the sunflowers the cosmos and all the regular summer flowers uh it really feels like fall and it gives a very autumnal feel to your arrangements when you're able to tuck these into um, mixed bouquets or arrangements here uh the mums of course come into bloom this time of year and are just really fantastic they look very fresh uh, they are on you know nice long stems compared to maybe some of your dahlias that have tipped over or that are looking a little bit rangy or long in the tooth here so um, that's one of the reasons why I love mums coming into season this time of year is that it's kind of the the last uh, finale the last hurrah uh, the mums really kind of close down the the house so to speak for the end of the season um, one of the reasons perhaps why we don't grow more mums too is that a lot of the varieties that people really like and really love are they don't really come into bloom before the end of frost for most people because i mean taking a look at most people's frost states uh, we're already seeing some people who have you know had ended their season already back in mid-september and sometimes you know it's earlier sometimes later but uh, a lot of our mums don't really start blooming until much later on so it makes it kind of disappointing if you grow out these mums and you devote space and attention and energy and money towards growing them only to never have them bloom i mean we've all had plants that have done that unfortunately and if you can't get mums to bloom before your frost why even bother right 
So that's why uh, I've been looking for different mum varieties that would be able to bloom before the frost. Um, you can, of course, extend the season to be able to get the blooms. And I know some people uh, dedicate a hoop house or even a heated greenhouse in order to do this. But um, for us, it makes most sense to be able to have mums blooming out in the field before the la uh, first frost. So that's why uh, the varieties that we selected were ones that were going to bloom before our first frost here and um, they're pretty successful and I'll talk a little bit more about the varieties uh, when I talk about the trial that we did here. So mums, uh, if you've ever worked with them before as a floral designer uh, or even you know just as a gardener, you know that uh, mums are a really hardy cup flower. They're uh, in the vase, having a very long vase life. We're talking two weeks when properly cared for, at least, if not more. That's one of the reasons why mums were, I think, came to the forefront of the fl cup flower industry as a whole because they are very hardy and very sturdy. Flowers like zinnias and sunflowers and dahlias and all the ones that we really love are what are known as dirty flowers in the cut flower industry. They really harbor a lot of bacteria. Their fuzzy stems will, uh, for some reason, really get dirty and dirty the water very quickly uh, and create a perfect ground for bacteria to breed and break down those flowers a lot quicker than something like a mum, which seems to hold up in water very well doesn't really dirty the water quite as much and that's one of the reasons why they're very invaluable as cut flowers is the fact that their vase life is so long and i found that to be true with both mums that you would you know buy cut and ready all from the wholesaler as well as the mums that we've grown here and i think that also given that it's fall and you know, the air is a bit chillier, the mums tend to last even longer, sometimes even past three weeks for us. We've actually had to throw out some of our cut stems because we got tired of looking at them. So uh, really mums are a great performer in the vase and out in the field and are a great addition to any flower farm, especially this time of year. If you're working on, you know, weekly installations, for instance, in a restaurant or a hotel or a private residence, mums are a great way to be able to ensure longevity for those arrangements. You know, we always want to make sure if you're just refreshing or replenishing once a week that you have flowers that are going to stand up to that, uh, which is the reason why we really don't use uh, flowers like dinner plate dahlias in those big arrangements because they look terrible after three days whereas mums will be able to last weeks and weeks and weeks and will still look fresh and great you'll probably again have to throw them out as opposed to um, actually letting them naturally decay in the vase so uh, they're pretty bulletproof and uh, we really like working with them in design um, one of the things about mums too is that they're very easy to propagate as well. Now, as always, when you're propagating a plant, make sure that it's not trademarked or patented. Uh, that goes for you know even some mums out there. Uh, most of the mums that you're, are commercially available, you should be able to propagate with no problem. Uh, they're the patented varieties that are used for the cut flower trade are not available commercially to growers. So as far as I can uh, tell, as far as my research, so. 
uh, go ahead and propagate without fear. But those of you who've propagated mums before know just how easy they are to root cuttings from. And even when you purchase mums, they're going to come in a lot of times as cuttings, such as if you order from Kings. And these cuttings are very easy. They don't flop. They don't wilt very easily and are really kind of just straightforward as far as getting them rooted. You just uh, pop them in some rooting hormone, put them into some well-draining soil medium. Uh, I personally prefer vermiculite, and they will go ahead and root in a series of weeks. These will go on to create full-size plants the same year if started early enough and will continue to grow and flourish, and you can even take cuttings off of those cuttings that eventually form. So. Uh, really one of the things that I like about mums is the fact they are so easy to propagate. Uh, a plant like, you know, dahlias are not quite as easy to propagate. I mean, you have, uh, the young shoot propagation that you can do. You can root those cuttings and you can also obviously do, uh, tuber propagation, but they're not quite as straightforward as mum cuttings, which can be taken at any time. So that's one of the things I really appreciate about mum plants is that you can, propagate them and multiply your collection at any point. Here in Zone 7, uh, we really are fortunate in that mums do overwinter very well here. Even the, the sad pot mums that get buried uh, or planted out in the landscape um, seem to do just fine in even the worst conditions here, probably due to our very mild and very dry uh, winter overall. So. Um, a lot of times we'll find that mums don't overwinter well in areas with wet winters. So such as when we lived in Nebraska, it was always kind of a 50-50 chance of whether a mum would actually survive or not. So uh, if you do live in an area with colder, wetter winters, you may look at either um, mulching or providing some sort of cover for your mums or even dedicating you know, a space in your hoop house or greenhouse to overwinter them in. Um, you can always overwinter just one mother plant and then take cuttings off of that. Uh, one mother plant of a gallon size will lend you a whole bunch of cuttings for next year and will overwinter just fine in a little bit of protection. Uh, just making sure that basically that plant remains, you know, well-drained and um, pr protected from rot or protected from... Um, fungus over the winter so uh, here it naturally happens in the ground but if you live in a wetter colder area you may want to offer a little bit extra protection and, and uh, assistance for that so for us uh, having them be perennial here easy to propagate and blooming at the right time I mean they're a pretty no-brainer crop for us to have here uh, some of the varieties of mums too are really really pretty like i mentioned before they can rival dahlia as far as their appearance and their shape their color i mean one example is fall charm so fall charm is my new favorite out of the mum cultivar trial that we did here fall charm has these very light raspberry pink petals on the outside that kind of deepen in towards this really dark saturated almost like a plum or wine color in the interior and each of those petals has this beautiful like rusted gold undertone um, on the underside of them there and this is a pretty big mum here it's getting to a good you know three inches across i'm sure if we you know disbudded or removed the side stems on the main stem of the flower they would be even larger and bigger but they're still pretty big as far as 
you know, being a mom that I didn't have to <laughs> do any disbudding on. And I just, I love the look of it. It's a great focal flower. It really kind of grabs your attention there. It's, you know, big and meaty like you would find a dahlia there. And I just love the look of it. It's very unique and different from anything else that we're growing. There's others that are much more like a spider mum in appearance. Uh, technically, they're not spidery. They're actually more um, of what would be known as a quill or spoon-shaped petaled flower. Uh, the different classifications are a little bit more technical, just like dahlias. But um, the ones that I'm really enjoying right now have these kind of rolled petals. They are actually one continuous petal that had been rolled into a little cylinder almost like a <laughs> cannoli basically and the interior is a little, little bit darker so you see it just at the little spoon or opening at one end and the rest of the flower is or the rest of the petal is very light and very um very opaque and it creates this beautiful effect almost looking like a, a bird's feather or um a little kind of uh, ray of a, of a petal that comes out um, creating this sort of quill or um, sunburst effect is what I kind of think of it as and this structure is very unique among flowers I mean we don't really see much of this amongst any other flower as far as structure you know maybe uh, certain types of cactus dahlias and zinnias or perhaps uh, certain types of rubecchia like uh, the What's the name of it? Blanking on this here. So, uh, Chim Chimney, that's the name of the Rebecca. I have these nice kind of like star-like radiant patterns. So um, it really does add a great texture to any arrangement that it's part of and really helps to kind of draw the eye. It's very grand, very elegant, and would be perfect for use in wedding work or uh, any sort of mixed design. So um, they really do add a lot to any arrangement they're part of. Uh, one of the things that I always kind of talk about is the ability of certain flowers with their color, textures, and shapes to be able to play well with others. Uh, certain flowers play well with others very much so. Uh, the examples I give are always the Queen Line Zimias and the Cafe Ole Dahlias just because they bridge between colors so well due to their uh, more kind of dusty, muted, uh, multiple tones. And mums would be also the same way too. A lot of the weddings that we see in fall, for instance, uh, really kind of utilize the jewel tone colors that come out this time of year and also the muted rusted tones um, that occur this time of year as well. So you're talking rust, burgundy, golds, coppers, and uh, faint yellows along with bright pink and orange and yellows and uh, fuchsias and uh, intense scarlet and burgundy. So the nice thing about these mums is that they usually have a lot of these color tones kind of mixed into them, uh, like with the fall charm having anywhere from light raspberry pink to all the way to this you know, kind of gold, uh, dark plum wine, almost burgundy sort of undertone. So they would help to bridge between, say, like a, a very deep saturated burgundy colored dahlia like uh, um, Karma Chuck, all the way up to a very light colored uh, 
pastel toned dahlia like a cafe au lait. And if you're using all three of these together and you know you have your other materials in there as well, it would create a very nice arrangement as far as the color scheme goes. Mums are also great as far as uh, standing on their own. I mean, you could literally make an arrangement using nothing but mums as far as your primary and your secondary flowers, and they would do just fine on their own. Um, the nice thing also is that given their growing habits, you're going to have a lot of similarities as far as shape and stem length too. So, um, you know, maybe we would use a fall charm as a focal point, and then we could use other varieties like uh, carousel or first lady to kind of help to echo that same effect as far as the mums go. And that kind of gets more into design theory that I won't really bore you with here. Uh, but mums are just such a great flower, and I, I love the fact that they come into bloom this time of year. It really kind of gives me something to look forward to as opposed to just coasting out of the season. And they're they're very easy for us to grow here. Uh, I know that's one reader who uh, commented on the post on flower farmers did talk about how mums really do get a lot of pest pressure. Um, living in the area that we do, we don't really get a ton of pest pressure on most things aside from an occasional nibble from a snail or something like that. Um, but you may want to have a protocol set in place to protect from pests uh, that could be potentially, you know, using integrated pest management systems that could also be uh, keeping them protected with either row cover or some other mechanical force that would prevent uh, pests from being able to get to your plants and flowers. Uh, maybe even uh, possibly using organza bags on your bigger chrysanthemum blooms to prevent them from being eaten by insects. Same way that a lot of dahlia growers will go and net their blooms with organza bags. So uh, just be careful of that. They are also um, pretty heavy feeders too. I did realize that after another reader pointed that out too, that uh, mums do take quite a bit of nutrients and water in order to grow well. If you're maybe in a more water sparse or nutrient uh, poor area, you may want to look as far as amending the soil and adding, you know, nutrients for that plant to grow really well. The other thing that I did notice is that a lot of our mums are starting to flop even at uh, 24 to 36 inches. So it is important to have measures in place to prevent flopping. Otherwise, those stems kind of go sideways, get all crazy, and aren't so great for arranging. So make sure that you have some sort of netting or sticking in place in order to keep them upright. Um, as far as growing mums out from cuttings, this is another thing that is really good to know. So your mum will grow from a cutting all the way to a very large plant in uh, a series of months here. Getting cuttings in, say, April or May, you'll be able to grow them out to big full-size plants there. Um, the general rule is give them a couple pinches prior to July 4th. July 4th is kind of that magic date because afterward they'll need that time in order to grow up and become you know big plants and get good long stems. If you keep pinching them out they're gonna bloom on very short stems which is what you don't want. So by being able to give them a couple pinches they'll be able to produce more flowering stems later on and also have a better form. So uh, but yeah, once you get your cuttings rooted, and there's instructions for those on our blog there, uh, you'll be able to grow those out and uh, they'll create a full-size plant for you that uh, growing season that will provide you with blooms and then um, 
you can you know kind of move those around as needed uh, we're going to be lifting a couple of ours this fall to move them to a better location uh, so long as they're perennial you know you can move them around the yard pretty easily so um, I just really like how versatile they are and I like how low maintenance they are to be honest uh, I very much neglected our mums this entire growing season I kind of actually forgot they were even there until they started blooming this fall um and we've been very pleased with the varieties we've grown now we got all these from bluestone uh the other ones that are pretty popular would be also uh be fairbow mums which would be great for early blooming mums suited for the minnesota climate uh zone 3a and as well as king's mums the kind of original heirloom mum uh supplier for flower farmers everywhere uh but yeah from bluestone we ordered a couple of varieties to run as a trial this year and all of them were very beautiful and very successful um there's a couple probably that we won't be growing next year one would be uh, french vanilla it's a lovely flower this kind of you know big white uh decorative almost like pom-pom but uh very full petaled mum it's beautiful this you know ivory cream color but is unfortunately blooming on 12 inch stems despite you know proper treatment so um that one probably is going to get moved to the personal garden next year it's very pretty but i can really only enjoy it in a bud vase so that one is uh going to be for personal growing but most of the other varieties we grew have really nice stems on them there um, i particularly like the three kind of like spoon or quill varieties that we grew which included uh, carousel fine feathers and first lady uh, these came in a wide range of colors um, i'm particularly liking the color of fine feathers uh, which is this sort of like very pale almost like a pumpkin or copper color and uh, the form is has these very delicate petals that stretch out to a good you know three inches from the center of the flower itself and uh, really is just it says fall to me there i just want to you know pop it into pumpkins and pair it with broom corn and amaranthus and pumpkin on a stick and and call it a day like the aesthetic of it and the color of it and the shape of it is just fantastic i just i i'm in love with this probably my favorite one that we've grown this year aside from fall term so um the quills are all doing really well they have bloomed um pretty much perfectly uh first lady bloom then fine feathers and then finally carousel starting to bloom uh carousel i was a little bit disappointed in i was expecting the petals to be a little bit longer and shaggier it's uh, more kind of like an upright uh smaller bloom but it's extremely productive so i can't really kind of put down that flower for being so productive as it is it's gone into a lot of arrangements this fall so um so yeah that was fine feathers first lady and carousel for those and as far as the other varieties so fall term we've already talked to you about and uh the other one that i've really been enjoying is um shoot sorry <laughs> mind going blank here um well the one that i'm really waiting for is cheerleader uh, it's a fairbow mom that is uh, again, meant to bloom early, but ours is taking a little bit longer this year. I can see 
it's got its pedals outstretched. It's ready to open pretty much any day now. Um, but I'll be sharing the results of that with you here in a little bit. Um, but no, for all these mums, they've been very hardy. They've been very easy to grow and been very helpful and productive in uh, cut flower production on our farm here. So I've been really happy with the results here. And I think that next year we're going to be growing a lot more of them. If you're interested in learning more about growing cut mums uh, for your flower farming operation or even your personal garden, uh, check us out at thekokorogarden.com. That's uh, the Kokoro Garden, uh, K-O-K-O-R-O garden.com. And uh, we've kind of gone into depth as far as each of the varieties we grew for the trial this year. And there's also a full guide on how to grow and uh, harvest mums, including how to root from cuttings there. And if you're intimidated by mums, uh, don't be. They're probably one of the easier crops that we grow and are really kind of a very special crop at the end of the season here. So I hope that you found this... Uh, little podcast useful for you and that you've come away with some good information hopefully are very excited about growing mums um again if you're interested in uh buying mums for next year uh kings is kind of the original and has probably the widest variety of mums for cut flowers uh you can check them out and they do an order in january so you want to make sure that you get your order in early so that they're able to fulfill that before they sell out because they do sell out pretty quickly. Uh, Fairbow Mums is another good supplier of mums for uh, floral design. You will have to check and make sure that uh, the varieties that you're looking at are meant for cut flowers and are going to get tall enough for you. That's kind of the the basic thing but and the nice thing about Fairbow Mums is that they're able to bloom very early during the season so that you're able to harvest them during the fall season and not uh, lose them to frost and personally we bought our mums from bluestone perennials and the mums that we got were actually small plants they're transplants as opposed to cuttings so we didn't have to root them um, but they all were able to be uh, planted and transplanted very well so i'm very happy with the experience that we've had with our mums from bluestone so I hope again that this gets you excited about mums. I know that maybe I'm a little bit of a, a nerd for mums. I feel they're kind of an underdog uh, flower for flower farmers here. But um, hopefully that you've learned something interesting and can use this to apply to your business. So thank you again for joining us today for our podcast on mums. I look forward to uh, giving you guys some more information and more helpful tips and more inspiration in the future. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Again, if you are interested in learning more or learning more about flower farming in general, check us out at thekokorogarden.com. Again, that's the thekokogarden.com. And uh, there's lots of resources on there if you're new to flower farming and, you know, you're just getting started and you don't really kind of know where to start. Uh, there's growing guides, there's schedules, there's seed starting charts on there. So uh, just let me know if you have any questions and I can answer them in future podcasts as well.